0: Um, is if i'm going into a very speculative venture i will set aside money but i'm not thinking about this as like actual capital or like my quote-unquote business you have to be totally fine losing all of it and that's kind of the way we approach like nfts or uh, you know coins uh, now because most of the time it is just speculation
1: there are no rules no rules you're listening to degree free the Degree Free Network, where we talk about how to teach yourself, get work, and make money. No degree needed. Here are your hosts, Ryan and Hannah Maruyama. Aloha, folks, and welcome back to Degree Free, where we teach you how to get hired without a college degree i'm your host ryan maruyama before we get into today's episode if you would like to receive a short weekly email that has different degree-free jobs different degree-free companies and how you can get hired without a college degree then go over to degreefree.co forward slash newsletter to sign up for our free weekly newsletter today i have a very special episode because it is our very first three-person interview i have on brandon and christian chin they are internet entrepreneurs nft experts and creators of the squishy squad nft project today's episode is really wide ranging we go over how they originally got into nfts how they gained experience their different money management strategies how they bought and sold nfts to make money to actually make profit we also go over what they're doing now and their plans for the future A couple of notes. This is not investment advice for anybody. We do talk about some investing and some speculation and money management strategies, but this is not investment advice for anybody. This is just for informational purposes only. You can find links to the show notes and everything that we talk about at degreefree.co forward slash podcast, including where to say hi and follow along with Brandon and Christian. And final thing before we get into it, A note on programming, we do use a couple of cuss words to talk about different tokens that are out there in the crypto world. So they're in the middle of the conversation. So this might not be for everybody. I just wanted to get that out. I'm really excited for you to hear this conversation with Brandon and Christian Chin. Aloha, folks, and welcome back to Degree Free. I am super excited to have on today's guests, Brandon and Christian Chin. Brandon and Christian, thank you so much for joining.
2: Thanks, man. Of course, happy to be here.
1: (laughs) You know, as I was telling you guys before we started recording, this is my first time, so be gentle. I... (laughs) I have never done a three-person interview, so we're going to see how this goes, but I would love to start with Brandon, and I'm going to give both of you guys an opportunity to kind of introduce yourselves and what you guys do and why you guys are on here in the first place, but I would love to start with Bento Boy and how Bento Boy came to be. Who is that? What that's all about, Brandon?
0: Yeah, so... Uh, My name is Brandon. Um, Also go by a Bento Boy in the online world, Um, and that was sort of my YouTube channel, actually. Um, And I guess the reason we're on here is because uh, you know I've dabbled in some online ventures, which uh, we'll kind of dive into. Bento Boy was like my online persona and I posted a lot of YouTube videos in like the NFT and crypto market. And I kind of grew my personal brand there and then also figured out ways to, I guess, monetize that brand as well.
1: I wanted to have both of you on because I have never talked about the NFT space. I've never really talked about the crypto space when really what's interesting about it is, is the interview that I just did last week was a Bitcoin developer. And so we're going to go back to back Bitcoin and then now crypto and the NFT space. So yeah, I just wanted to kind of for everybody and Brandon or Christian, either one of you could take a stab at this. Can we talk a little bit about what an NFT is?
2: Yeah. So an NFT is a non-fungible token. And essentially, it's like a unique digital token. A great way that I like to put it is it's like a Pokemon in Pokemon Go. So you just kind of go along and collect these digital assets and they do have monetary value behind them.
1: The thing about NFTs is most people that are listening to this, it's 2023, right? Most people that are listening to this, I'm guessing that they have heard the letters put together like NFT. Yes. (laughs) Two years ago, it was just like pictures or it was like apes or it was like bananas. What is the use case of NFTs?
0: Yeah, I think mainly, like, there's a lot of use cases uh, for NFTs. I mean, I guess the most popular one back in the day was just digital identity. So this was kind of like your community or brand that you would, I guess, quote, unquote, rep. I think you brought up like the Board Ape Yacht Club, which was probably the most popular example. But in essence, it's just a way of displaying that you own an online asset. It can give you a lot of various benefits. Like uh, if you owned a board ape yacht club, a lot of the times people think it's just the ape. However, you get access to things like, you know, their discord, their events that they throw like once or twice a year and with offset Cardi B and some of the biggest artists. And you also get things like free merchandise. They did a token, which I'm not sure I would necessarily recommend. You can really get a lot of online access to a wide range of things.
1: That is so interesting because you went down a completely different path, like what I would say the use case for NFTs was which is like you went down the community path and you went down the access path which is awesome and amazing for me as somebody that's completely on the outside of NFTs and maybe I bought like an NFT just to see like what it was like I think I went on OpenSea and I'm pretty sure that like I bought something that cost like 0. 0.000 whatever 1 ETH just to like try it out <laughs> right exactly just to see the transaction right and just to see what it was and I was like personally I didn't understand it obviously, which is why I never got into it. But I do see the real world use case for me is kind of like either like certificate of authenticity of something, obviously it's a digital asset. But when I'm thinking about that too, it is really an access thing. Cause I was thinking the the most prevalent use case that I could think of in the real world is for like ticketing and for events. When we were together a few months ago, we went to a Giants baseball game, San Francisco Giants game. Heck yeah, we did. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yes, yes, we did. We had the tickets, right? And I'm pretty sure I had everybody's tickets and it was just like a QR code on my phone. Before that, you know, a few, maybe a decade ago or so, you would have to like just have these paper tickets and they would just like rip it. And they'd be like, "Yeah, you're you're good to go." That's my first thinking is that like for ticketing and for scalpers and for counterfeiters, the blockchain and NFTs really make a lot of sense. Or to say you've authentically got this type of accolade, like let's say you went to college. Right. So there's a lot of colleges that have, you know, disappeared over the days, like for profit colleges like Healed College or other colleges like it. And then when those colleges disappear, all of the people that went through it, all of their like degrees evaporate too. like, you know what I mean? Like there's no registrar's office to call anymore. It's interesting that you went straight to like the community aspect of it. It's a use case that I never would have thought of.
0: Yeah. I think it's a use case that was kind of like more in its early stages because it was just so simple and easy. To understand. But I definitely think in the future and why people are so excited about NFTs in general is because of the use cases that you were talking about. Even South Korea, for example, is switching their driver's license onto the blockchain NFTs. I mean, I know the stigma around the whole Web3 space in general is not great. However, like the underlying technology to me personally, and once you dig into kind of makes a lot of sense for things like ticketing, like you said, even real estate certification, maybe even degrees, even though this is a degree free podcast. But I think, you know, it w- does make a lot of sense to roll these things out, and I think we're going to see that in the near future.
1: Where do you see the NFT space going from here? I mean, is it dead?
2: Kind of what we've been talking about. I think a lot of the whole community aspect and networking, probably what most people in the NFT space like are in now, is going to have to evolve because selling these pictures of like monkeys and penguins for like, ten thousand, like hundred thousand dollar profit, isn't necessarily like sustainable, especially for like a long term thing. However, if we dig more into it and we're thinking about like the proof of ownership of NFTs, uh, how we're saying ticketing, uh, maybe like even deeds to your houses, just more maybe real life usage or even like subscriptions to Netflix, YouTube, premium, things like that is probably where we're headed. Not so much of buying and selling for like life-changing amounts of money.
1: Yeah, so the first prevalent use case that we're going back a couple of years, right? It's art and it's Board Ape Yacht Club and it's all of these other projects that were spun up, how do you assess the value of NFTs? And I'll ask that in a two-part question. And this is for either one of you. How did you assess the value of NFTs when they were in demand? And then how do you assess value of NFTs now with the market being not as liquid?
2: In the time when we were kind of trading them, it was basically like a mania phase or I forget, it was a tulip. Tulip mania. Oh, yes. Tulip Mania. So yeah, it's Tulip Mania, just like a mania phase where you can almost buy anything that was kind of trending and it would go just up in price. And the main value to us then was just how much money like could I make from this art set or these collections. So something unique that Brandon and I did was in the very early stages of people trading these pieces of art, a lot of it was just influencer-based. So it'd be big names, phase Banks, Gary Vee, things like this on Twitter. They'd go out and tweet about their purchase. And then a whole bunch of people would try to ride along on top of that. So a lot of it is word of mouth. However, what we did was we had these trading bots uh, made by one of our developers. And we tracked the wallets. And we bought these sets before they even came out publicly, uh, saying that they bought it. Just like stuff like that is kind of what made us purchase or made the trades that we made. But as far as how much it's worth, it's kind of insane because you have these pictures of penguins going for like tens of thousands of dollars. Oh my God, like I've never seen this before. So yeah, it was definitely tough, but I don't know. Yeah, I just traded a little bit, stay in the space, uh, get to know people and network and you kind of get a feel of the market.
1: So a lot of it was speculation then. Is that fair to say? Yes.
2: Most
0: of it was, I would say 99% of it, was speculation and I don't want like the audience to, I guess get a wrong idea of the whole entire space. 99% of the people or basically almost 100% of the people who got into the NFT space were there to make uh, some sort of money. And the main, I guess, utility of NFTs back then was how much profit could you make off of it? And that's what like a lot of people were saying on Twitter as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It always seemed like to go back to what you were saying, Christian about, you know, these influencers basically pumping their bags, right? I mean, like they bought a picture. they bought a picture of like a an ape and then they just put it on their Twitter profile and they're getting like 130 million impressions, like a day, some of them. And they're just like, yeah, sounds good. The craze just keeps going. The craze just keeps going. There's nothing wrong with it. I have talked to people before that who have practiced speculation, but don't want to admit that that's what it is because they're afraid of that dirty word. So to say it is uh very refreshing. So thanks for being so honest there. As far as the speculation goes, were you guys just buying and selling at the same time? Like how many NFTs do you have now?
0: I think for currently both of us don't hold that many NFTs, but back in the day, we were avid traders. That's kind of how we got our start in the NFT space. You know, to start, we basically went online and we're kind of like, I guess, the audience where we were like, what the heck is this NFT thing? Like, uh, this is all like kind of dumb, right? This is like speculation. Um, however, like the more we dug into it, the more you know, the NFT technology itself started to make sense. However, I still would say justifying the prices like $10,000, $100,000 uh, for a single picture, regardless of what you got was still mainly speculative. And Overvalued, but the underlying technology itself made sense. That's how we kind of got our start in NFTs, and we started just buying a bunch, like Christian said, you know, using that bot that our dev created, and that was proven to be relatively profitable. But back in the day, I was a degenerate, so I was buying everything: penguins, lions, zoo eggs. The list goes on. And trying to sell them as best as I can for profit. Uh, But nowadays, now that the market's slowed down, I don't really trade that much.
2: And then kind of touching on top of that. So we have traded a whole bunch, you know, using these bots, just kind of going on Twitter. And then we've also started a couple other NFT collections as well. And that's how, I guess, we've got our name in the NFT space.
1: What is Squishy Squad? Can we talk about Squishy Squad?
2: Yeah, 100%. So Squishy Squad is
0: a project that we created. And I guess... Back in the day when we were getting into this space and I was posting YouTube videos, a lot of the times people were struggling to make money, myself included. I remember the very first time I jumped into the NFT space, I was like, this is gonna be easy. Um, This is like, I'm gonna make a ton of money really fast. I remember I bought this collection called Galactic Aliens. And almost immediately, off the bat, I lost, I think, over $3,000. And this is from a high school kid who does not have, you know, a lot of money. And then from then, I was like, man, this is ridiculous. Like, first of all, not a smart move. But at the same time, I was like, I really have to figure this out if I'm going to be throwing a lot of money into it. Yeah. So from there, uh, like Christian said, we got these bots um, and a lot of the main problem was teaching people how to trade. Uh, So, you know, we had this idea going a little bit more in depth into it of, okay, a lot of this space is kind of speculation. The question was, how do you tell which project was going to move up in price? And the way we figured that out, or the way we kind of went about that was there was a lot of influencers at the time. And I would compare it to Elon Musk. Uh, I'm not sure if you remember when he was talking about Dogecoin. But every time he tweeted about Dogecoin, the price went up. And you kind of saw the same thing in the NFT market. So these big influencers with hundreds of thousands of followers would buy an NFT. And since it's on the blockchain, you can verify it and see that. Um, and then after they would buy it, they would quote unquote, you know, pump their bags to see the price go up. And they would tweet about it to their hundreds of thousands of followers. And then the price would go up. And then a lot of the times, a lot of these influencers that I'm not gonna say are good or bad would sell on their followers for a profit. Um, and that was just the reality of the entire space. Uh, so I saw that and I was like, I'm the sucker buying the NFTs uh, for off of these tweets and losing money as they sell on me. Um, So instead of doing that, I'm gonna track these guys' wallets um, and hunt them down because it's all public on the blockchain. We're gonna put it in a Discord tracker, which our Dev Dean did. He did a very good job at this. And after we started doing that and copied those trades, we started to make a good amount of money. And then from there, a lot of the people were asking, you know, how do you make money? We kind of explained it, and then we started selling that as the main, I guess, utility uh, or service for Squishy Squad because everyone was asking, you know, for like these bots that we were creating.
1: And so, what did the mechanism? Of that look like like what is Squishy Squad in general like is it a NFT project or is it a is it a not project what is it yeah so Squishy
2: Squad is a NFT collection so we have eight thousand eight hundred eighty eight like tokens or non fungible tokens and essentially what this does is if you own it you get access into our Discord server and then your profile will be authenticated like checking your wallet saying I own this uh, Squishy Squad NFT. And from there, you're able to use all of the training bots that we've used just throughout. So I think as a proof of concept before was we had like our development team. So it was like me, Brandon, our developer, and a few like very close family friends. We've all made like a good amount of money, uh, maybe tens, maybe even hundreds of thousands uh, using these bots. And kind of like what Brandon said is we want to almost like help people and give access to these tools, to like our community, our holders. So that's essentially uh, was the starting point is so we went from there, people who own the NFT get access to the bots. Then we also had things like giveaways where we almost gave out free NFTs or just ways for people to make money, things like that. Another thing was just like networking, a community and a whole lot more. Yeah, just like with games and whatnot too. And free or not free, but physical merchandise. So it just gave you access to a whole bunch of things and we just wanted to go out, make a community there and yeah, have a good time.
1: (laughs) That is brilliant. Like really, really brilliant use case and a way to implement your guys's learnings. That is amazing. Whose idea was that to do that?
0: I think it was kind of everyone's idea. I think maybe the person that we were working with, our developer was the one who was mainly pushing it, but yeah. So shout out to our talented dev.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. There's 8,888 of these things. How do we develop? I'm assuming that it's like the artwork, just like same thing with like a board ape as well. So you just, Hire an artist, or is that just AI generated, or what? What does that look like technically?
0: Yeah. So we had. Uh, so what it's called is generative art. So we basically hired an artist, and you don't actually make every single one, um, like every single eight thousand eight hundred eighty-eight. Instead, what you do is you basically draw several assets. So we had like thirty-three, like face traits, forty, like head traits, etc., and you basically randomize it you know, using code and it'll create, you know, 8,888 unique, you know, digital assets mixing those combinations.
1: Before we move off of the subject of Squishy Squad, and I want to get into a, a few other things. What does the project look like now?
0: Yeah. So right now, we basically still have, you know, our community. Uh, I think one thing Christian didn't really touch on was the fact that we had this thing called whitelist back in the day, which was not necessarily our intent going into the project. Um, But whitelist essentially, for people who don't know, is like early access into these NFTs. And back in the day, when you got whitelisted for a super hyped up project, you could make a lot of money. Um, and because Christian and I kind of grew our personal brands on YouTube, Twitter, and TikTok, etc., a lot of these projects did want to give out early access. Uh, so that was really popular back in the day. I would almost say outperformed, uh, you know, the bots that we were even giving out because after we released them, uh, people were able to copy them, etc. However, uh, that was something that was super unique to us was the whitelist attaining those. So a lot of our holders made a good amount of money. Uh, we're still doing that now. However, it's not as profitable. Um, and we also have a lot of you know, the things that we currently have, like community events, the giveaways, poker every single Friday night. And we also gave out the metal print to people who bought several for free. Uh, so you could get a nice Squishy Squad print. And we also gave out uh, you know free merchandise shipped to them as well for our bigger holders. So as of right now, we're kind of carrying out Uh, our roadmap, you could say, and promises, which is as of right now, just uh, giving out whitelists, doing giveaways, and also being somewhat active in the community.
1: To circle back around, we talked about the buying signals that you guys had, right? So you guys had this insight of, okay, I'm going to track these wallets via bots because it's all in the blockchain and it's all transparent. And so these are going to be my buy signals, but what were your sell signals?
2: Almost just what we had with the buy signals bots. We also had things that tracked their wall as soon as uh, these people sold them. Or also when you're kind of trading in the space like enough, you kind of feel like that mania phase. Okay, this is like too good to be true. I can't believe I just like 5x my investment in an hour. Just feelings like that. Okay, this needs to like cool down. This needs to stop. So just probably selling along lines like that.
0: Yeah. Uh, also, just to add on really quickly, I think that's a very good question, especially because you could get totally sucked into the you know whole entire narrative. Like for me personally, there were times where I was up, like Christian said, like $10,000 literally over the span of 15 minutes. And here people are on Twitter saying, oh, it's going to go higher. And then when you have money invested, you almost start to believe it. So, you know, I lost a ton of money. Uh, just trying to hold on to these NFT assets, uh, praying that they're going higher. Um, and I think that's an important lesson for a lot of people that sell. It's totally fine to sell. And that's like one of the big things I learned because I would much rather have, like you know, like those tens of thousands of dollars uh, rather than these NFTs that did not, I guess, pan out so well. Um, and another thing that we also did was we tracked influencers' buys. We also saw where they were selling. Um, so that was also one viable indicator or factor uh, that we took into consideration
2: you know, we've done like pretty well, like trading these pictures and NFTs. We've only like gotten like decent at it just because we've like lost like a lot of money too along the way a lot of learning lessons. So yeah, it's like very important to like definitely take profits like while you can before they just because as fast as it goes up, it goes like, down like way faster.
1: Absolutely. The taking profits is really, really important because it it can go south really, really quickly on you. And the reason why I asked that question is because I myself have learned that the hard way you know, of not taking profits and not taking profits. And, and exactly what you were saying, Brandon is, is when you have money invested in it and you start hearing the narrative of like, this thing's going to the moon, this thing's going to the moon, whatever, whatever it is, you know, it could be real estate in a certain certain market. It could be GameStop stock, whatever it is, you start to believe it. And you know, you're five X up, on your investment, and you're just like, well, I don't even want to take out my money because then I I'm gonna lose all the upside. Really, with you two being so young, that's the reason why I wanted to ask about the selling. It was that you are wise beyond your years for having taken profit. And basically, right now, as you said, the reason why I wanted to see where you guys were in NFTs and what your portfolio looked like was because you know, it, I think. Pretty smart to be liquidated at this point, and you know, have your money in cash or you know, in something else.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. And like you said, that's a huge problem: uh, confirmation bias. Uh, you know, when you're in a project um, or invest in anything, and it starts to go up, you start to think you're a genius, and then it confirms your bias. For example, I bought into this project called Cyberkongs, very, very expensive NFT set. I think I paid around like maybe. Over 25 grand, literally, for a single JPEG. Call me stupid, call me dumb, uh, you know, whatever. It happened, <laughs> But I had this confirmation bias. You know, my friends uh, who were I considered smart traders in the space were saying, oh, this is gonna like go crazy. It's like the next Board Ape Yacht Club. However, the price did start to go up. So I was up, you know, several thousand dollars, like five grand within a day. And literally within a week of me buying this $25,000 JPEG, the price starts to plummet. Here I am starting to panic, and if the price keeps going down and down, and I'm questioning why the hell am I even holding this uh, damn picture. And overall, I have a whole entire YouTube video on this. I lost 20 grand on that one trade. And that was definitely something that could have been avoided uh, for sure. And I think that also just goes to depict uh, how crazy of a mania phase that we were in. I mean, also how stupid I kind of was to throw uh, that much money and gamble on a single uh, NFT.
1: I want to ask a couple of more questions about the past. And I want to talk about the future in a little bit, when we're talking about speculation, right? As as we've talked about before, one of the things that you have to contend with is money management. And as you were saying, Brandon, like how much money we're going to put into one project, into one asset. And the thing about NFTs and correct me if I'm wrong, that's different about like, let's say if you were dabbling in tokens, right? If you were dabbling in tokens or coins, whatever you want to call them, at least you can get your money in and out like fractionally, right? So you can put $10,000 into it and you can liquidate $8,000. But as I understand it, if you buy a $20,000 ape, you're in for a $20,000 ape until you sell that $20,000 ape.
0: Exactly. It's highly, highly liquid, which is why the price can go up so much really fast. But it's also the reason why it could go down so much really fast.
1: So can we talk about, and this is for either one of you, what the money management strategy had? Like what did what did your beginning portfolio look like? Were there any rules? But for myself, when I was dabbling and I didn't do NFTs, but during the during the craze, I was in tokens and I set aside a portfolio of $10,000. As somebody who is pretty not risk averse, I'm okay with a bunch of risk. My units are going to be $500 to a thousand dollars. So it's one unit is 500 and then two units is a thousand uh, is what I'm going to be putting into this certain project. And so if I put in a thousand, if I put in two units, I got 10 shots at this thing. If I only put 500, then I have 20. Did you guys approach it? It in a similar way or is there any type of thing that you guys thought about? Initially,
2: I would say there were almost no rules. Again, this is when I was like a very, very beginner. I had like almost no budget. I was just like thinking whatever could make me the most money, you know, I was in, like I was down to just try it out. But then later as I've like lost and I've I've lost a lot and I've made some money, we've kind of going back to this whitelist thing. I became like very, very like no risk, only upside trading. So in a sense, like after we kind of established who we are, we got special access to these upcoming collections. So for example, let's say there's a new collection coming out on Saturday, we were able to buy them almost like at wholesale prices, let's say at like a $100. And then you're able to take that price uh, after you buy it and then sell it on the retail market for let's say $500. So that's 400 and without any risk, because you're almost able to see the market ahead of time. Because before I purchase it for a $100, I can look at open Sea, so i look at open c and see that they're trading at like a higher number like 500 so i'm like okay you know there's no risk i'll buy it at 100 sell it at 500 and there's my 400 in like no risk money it's almost free which was why again it was a crazy time so that's kind of the trades that we take now as to before where it is more speculative just like hoping that the price would go up
0: oh yeah Adding on to Christian, uh, I think when we both kind of came out of high school, there were no <laughs> rules, basically, which was completely dumb. I will definitely say it here. A lot of people say like, oh, you're like smart. You know, when you first jumped in, into these uh, trades, like, how did you know? A lot of it, I'm going to be completely honest, is, is was luck. And there was also a lot of learnings along the way. Uh, like I said, I had that $3,000 loss. Um, I also had some big gains as well. But... I would not recommend people going and blowing like their graduation or like all their birthday or savings um, on speculative assets. I would say almost more times than not, you will lose that money. And I I learned that from that first trade that we initially talked about. And luck was a big factor I think in both of our journeys. So the way I would, like Christian said, we definitely became more risk off um, and less degenerate you could say. Um, And the way I think people maybe should think about it or the way I like to think about it now um, is if I'm going into a very specific Speculative venture. I will set aside money, but I'm not thinking about this as like actual capital or like my quote-unquote business. You have to be totally fine losing all of it, and that's kind of the way we approach like NFTs or uh, you know. Coins Now because most of the time it is just speculation Um, and if you're going to play the game you got to play the game I guess smart and be okay at losing the money So I kind of look at it like going into almost like a casino and just trying to get lucky.
1: Hey there I hope you're enjoying our conversation and getting a lot of value out of it. Here's a little behind the scenes We don't pay our guests to join us They come on purely to share their stories and experiences in the hopes that you can learn from their mistakes and take some lessons away So that you can change your life the more our podcast reaches people just like you, the more brilliant degree-free people we can have on as guests to come and share their stories. So if today's conversation resonated with you, or you've listened to multiple episodes, please take a moment and share this episode with a friend. Just a simple click on that share button, or a shout out on your stories will make a world of difference. More shares means more listeners and more listeners means more amazing guests for you. If you could do that right now, you would play a huge role in keeping this chain of knowledge going. Thank you for being a huge part of degree free. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for clarifying that because for the audience myself, that is exactly what I did, right? So the $10,000 wasn't like, uh, my birthday money. What, I didn't need it for groceries or anything. I, I just, the way that I thought about it, it's like, I want to learn about this thing. And if I can make some money at the same time doing it, then okay. Perfect. Right. And so I was totally okay with using the 10 grand as an education, if I had lost it all. Right. And it was just like, how do wallets work? Because prior to that, I had no idea. I owned some crypto, but it was all sitting on exchanges. So I had never ever sent it to a wallet. No idea what that looked like. Right? And I was like, okay, well, how about we boot up a wallet and we move some money off of this exchange, put it here. And then this thing is in ETH, but then there's this other chain and they want Binance for that. And then like, how do you swap those things? And so for me, that's exactly what I thought. It was like, we are walking into a casino and if I lose it all, you know, if I get fleeced, then you know, so be it, but I'm going to walk out of here with some lessons. And that's kind of a perfect segue because I wanted to talk about Some of the biggest lessons that both of you learn. And Christian, I'll let you go first. Like, from your experience with everything that you've done so far, creating a community around Squishy Squad, creating these bots, the NFTs, what are some of the biggest lessons learned that you can give to the audience?
2: I'd say one of the toughest things and one of the best things that I've learned is almost how to manage a team. Because again, Brandon is like right out of high school, I have like one year in college. Neither one of us have like any real world experience so then you take these brand new, unexperienced kids and you put them in a position of like, oh, now you have to manage like people around the world, people who are like way older than us. It's very new. Yeah, put it that way. I'd say managing people can be pretty hard, but it kind of just gets easier over time. Just things like that, making sure that everyone, like that you're making like a good workspace, a healthy work environment. And then another thing was having a good team around you. Brandon was like a great person to work with. You know, he's my brother. So I trust him like a lot. Everyone kind of had this same values. And that's kind of what you want in a team. So I'd say definitely like managing people, having the right people around you is probably the most important part of business and running your own project or company.
0: To add on to that, some big lessons that we learned. The first one, I think, which is probably the biggest one, and I think a lot of the audience could maybe relate to is you got to kind of try, you know, whether it's maybe diving into NFTs, maybe it's starting your own business, you know, whatever it is, you got to kind of get out there and just do the action. I think for me, a lot of my life, I was in this analysis paralysis uh, phase where I would have to analyze everything and the Conditions had to be perfect uh, for me to, you know, actually execute it. But it was a big jump for me to just start a YouTube channel, you know, start posting YouTube videos uh, for someone who's never done it before. Uh, Try make money or try start a business um, in the up and coming Web three space. And no, things weren't perfect. I wish I could have done things differently. Um, Whether it's you know relationships, whether it's how I handled specific situations, uh, whether it's selling that twenty thousand dollar JPEG for a profit. You don't learn those lessons if you don't get out there and just do the work. Um, and although you may fail, I think it's better to you know try and fail than to not try at all. And I know that sounds kind of corny or cliche, um, but that's something that I really took away from you know this whole entire situation.
1: And final question about your guys past. If you guys don't mind me asking, we're talking a lot about money. We're talking a lot about speculation just to put a bow and just put round numbers for the audience. If you don't mind sharing you guys. We're successful. What does that look like? How much money did we make? Like what was our starting amount of money? And then what did you guys end up with now that you guys are not in NFTs at all anymore?
0: Okay. So I guess starting out in the NFT space right out of high school, um, I probably had maybe I think total of 20,000. This is from like previous, you know, work, birthday money, et cetera. And then, like I said, when I jumped into it, probably lost half of my money. So maybe down to like 10,000. Smart or not smart, we'll find out. But you know, after that, I started trying to be a little bit smarter. I started a YouTube channel, did the bots. Then we started to make in the six figure range, which was definitely a good feeling. And then after that, we started the Squishy Squad collection, which generated, I guess, over seven, or in the seven figure
1: range. How do you guys do the split? Is, it, is everything you guys do 50-50 or you have a portfolio and you have a portfolio?
0: Yeah. It's a little bit separated, not completely 50-50, but yeah, that's something that we kind of just talk about.
1: And then I would love to, I guess I should have asked this before. How old are you two? Brandon, how old are you?
0: 21. I turned 21 like two weeks ago.
1: Uh, awesome. Happy birthday.
2: Thank you. Christian. How old are you? I'm 22. But yeah, no. At the time, I don't think any of us could like when we started Squishy Squad, and we were you know making all like that money. None of us could even drink like legally. No one in our team was allowed to consume alcohol. So it's kind of nuts. It's it definitely a crazy time.
1: Okay, so you guys caught us up to the present, or at least the recent past, and you made six six figures you made seven figures on these deals you guys are completely out of nfts and you guys are still doing the squishy squad but as far as your own personal portfolios you guys are out of nfts right now what Does the future look like? What is your plan? And Christian, I'll start with you because you're the oldest. What does the plan look like? I know right now you're in college. What does it look like from here?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, right now, Brandon and I, we're both back in school. Uh, We're both studying finance. And then, what we have been also doing now is probably going on the safer side of investments, uh, learning the family business, which is real estate. So, right now, Brandon and I are on our third investment property here in Hawaii. So we're kind of just like taking these homes, uh, maybe developing them a little bit, fixing them up and then putting it back on the market. That's essentially what our family does. So we're just learning uh, that trade feels like it'd be a pretty cool skill to have in the future.
1: So Brandon, yourself doing finance as well?
0: Yeah, so I'm currently back in school, even though this is the degree-free podcast. Um, but like Christian said, we're trying to you know learn how to buy and sell properties, which I think is a pretty valuable skill to have. Still learning a lot, but I'm trying to uh, explore that venture and you know just get out there and try. And it's been a great experience working uh, you know with Christian with my dad. So overall, I think I definitely want to go down that path. Um, however, I think for me personally, it's kind of hard to say because there's a lot of options that. I could possibly go down, um, whether that is completing college and you know getting working a regular job, or whether that's going down you know this uh, real estate path or trying to go down um, you know the online money making path. It's kind of hard to say, and I'm in this position where I'm still trying to figure everything out. And I still think that's all right. I do think that the future is kind of unknown, and to me that's a bit scary. But I hope that uh, you know if I keep at it and keep working hard, that things will kind of figure themselves out uh, pretty soon.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and. You got your head screwed on, right? I mean, everything that you said is true. and I'll add that you're still young and that you've got plenty of time to figure it out, whatever that means for you. But I did wanna push back on both of you for your decision to go to college as far as getting a degree in finance or studying finance at all, where is the utility for you to study finance in school? Like, What is it about school that offers you something that you can't already learn in the real world or that you can't Learn working with your dad, or that you haven't learned already in your crypto and NFT ventures.
2: Yeah, that's a really good point. Especially having the experience that we have, I feel like you know school might not necessarily it is not necessary for us. I think we're kind of in different scenarios. Where I was essentially three years into college already, and then we started the. Uh, business, the online business, I only have like one more year left. So I thought, you know, I might as well just finish up pretty like far down. But like, again, there are things on the side that we try to do uh, things like the real estate ventures that we've been on. And similar to Brandon, honestly, the future is like pretty unknown. I guess I took more of just like a traditional path. Again, almost being done with college, I decided to just finish up and see what I guess doors open from there as well.
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Something I've been thinking about for a while. I think that right now I kind of have the free time-ish to be back in school. Um, That's kind of the reason why um, I'm taking almost all asynchronous classes. But I'm actually not entirely sure if I do want to, you know, complete the whole entire uh, four-year course because like Christian said, I do have a while to catch up. But uh, that's something I'm still trying to, I guess, decide upon. Um, And the reason or utility, I guess, for going back is if I ever did want to go into, I guess, like private equity or investment banking, Um, that's, I guess, one of those career paths I think you may need a degree in. I think that's what most people do look for.
2: No, it's really funny, Ryan, because every time we come home and Brandon's like, oh, I have homework to do. I was like, oh, like, oh man, like, yeah, you, you should probably get on that. He's like, Yeah. I'm going to drop out, dude. I'm going to, I'm not going to do this.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's Kind of true. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You should think about it. If you do it, you should come back on Brandon and walk us through your decision to do so. What I wanted to ask both of you is it makes sense. Like, with what you guys are doing right now, it's incredibly smart. And once again, you guys are both wise beyond your years to take some of your winnings, I'll call it uh, for a lack of a better word. You'll take some of your winnings and make that money work for you and then learn the family business of real estate. And what's so awesome about it for, for you folks is that with a seven figure outcome, six figure outcome, you have the money to play in the market. and. That you're in and do making that money work for you is amazing. What I wanted to ask you folks though, was have you thought about pursuing a career in the crypto space?
0: Yeah. Um, I think it's something that I definitely considered. It's also pretty volatile, which is kind of, Uh, something that I'm not sure I necessarily love, but I think if I were to, we would definitely have to be, I guess, more smart about it. But in terms of like the NFT space, a big issue, I guess, technical issue is they did start getting rid of royalties for a lot of uh, projects and collections. Um, So that's kind of the reason why we're seeing this decline as well, is that there's no, I guess, more incentive because uh, usually how it works is if you bought an NFT, you would get like a percentage of it. Say, for example, if I sold like, A pokemon card uh, for a hundred dollars and the roti fee was five percent the original person who made it would get the five percent however now that's kind of not the case and that's like a technical issue that's been widely debated in the web3 space Uh, so that's kind of an issue that came up as well Um, another thing is that uh the crypto space is something i'm still kind of learning um and i think uh i'm not too sure what a full-time career path would be it would probably be something in content creation um which i'm not sure i would Uh, necessarily love to do (laughs)
2: full-time i don't know about christian though Mm -hmm. uh yeah i mean it's definitely something that definitely thought about Uh, however uh kind of like what brandon was saying or just what we were talking about earlier the state of the market almost seems a little like unsustainable not that i doubt let's say bitcoin or ethereum for like let's say the next five ten years it's kind of where we specialize in for nfts in that aspect is uh just seems like unsustainable at the moment. So probably maybe look down how to make it more sustainable for the future. And outside of that, again, just learning other skills, probably like real estate and whatnot.
1: Smart. Take your money and run. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Definitely uh, trying to, especially when like the prices like fluctuate so much. You know, we we try to stay probably yeah more stable, like wealth preservation. In that sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's a saying that making money and keeping money, they're two different games. They're two different sports. When you're in the wealth creation phase, you're going to do things, you're going to take different actions, you're going to make different decisions, you're going to consider different outcomes and different factors than you would if you were preserving money. So it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. And for you and for you too, like like I said before, and I'm sure you guys hear it all the time, but you're, you guys are young. You guys are young and you guys were very savvy and very fortunate, very smart to take advantage of a trend that you guys saw and all the little inferences that both of you saw in the crypto space. And then not only, not only seeing it because everybody sees something, right? Everybody has an opinion about something. And this is to Brandon's point of like, just trying different th- things and getting out of analysis paralysis. You know, how many times in my life have I said like, oh, I wish I could do this or I see this in the market. Maybe I should do that, but then i I never did it. Right. And then for you to have these little inferences like, Hey, look before, like if they pump their bags, then it goes up and then literally putting your money where your mouth is. I mean, that that was amazing. Yeah. So awesome. And I have a couple of questions that I ask everybody and I'll start with Brandon first. If people wanted to follow along in your career, Brandon, they wanted to say hi, where can I send them?
0: Um, I guess maybe my Twitter or now it's called X. <laughs> um, although I don't tweet. Uh, As often, Bento Boy NFT and YouTube channel is just uh, Bento Boy.
1: Perfect. Perfect.
2: And Christian? Same as Brandon. My just on X or Twitter would be great at Rice Cake NFT or Instagram at Christian Kin. Rice Cake and Bento Boy.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Rice Cake and Bento Boy. Rice Cake and Bento Boy. (laughs) Back at it again. Definitely. (laughs) And then last question. Is there Are there any final words, thoughts, pieces of advice that you have for the audience? And this time, Christian, you can go first. Kind of what Brandon said,
2: just go out and try new things because we definitely would not be in the position that we're in if we just like, let's say, took a traditional route of staying in college, maybe getting a internship over the summer. Like we would not be where we are now without having, trying like these Really, like, like I would have never thought that I'd be where I am today. Even like three years ago, I wouldn't even know what an NFT is. But now, you know, you go out, you hear a cryptocurrency, you just dive into that, try to learn as much as you can, just like through YouTube or um, just networking with other people, seeing stuff like that. And then just learning, hopefully, maybe getting your hands a little dirty, learn about it. If you do well, you know, that's great. And if you don't, it's just like a learning lesson. So just go out uh, and try new things for sure.
1: Brandon, any last words, thoughts for the audience?
0: Yeah, I don't know if I'm in, like, any position at all to give, like... (laughs) I guess, advice to uh, other people, uh, especially, you know, even at this age. But I guess maybe something that I would tell to myself, maybe before is uh, some like practical skills, like networking is huge. I don't think we could have done what we've done if we didn't have uh, connections, like whether even that's, you know, Christian who found Dean, you know, our dev, and also, you know, other friends in the space uh, reaching out. Uh, Network is probably a very, a really, really powerful tool. I mean, it can also inspire you and it can also lead to a lot of other open doors so that's I guess a practical thing Uh, also uh, another practical thing is there's a huge huge power in personal branding so I think that if you're interested in that, you should definitely start. Like, for example, uh, posting on YouTube, Twitter. Although you might think people don't care, you know, some people might. And it could also lead to a lot of good things. And I think now attention is the new, I guess, digital um, or new oil or new gold, uh, whatever you want to call it. Uh, So if you want to do that, I would highly recommend it. Like I said earlier, uh, work hard and I guess try to grow and just try your best uh, to do new things. And as long as you're growing, I think that's the, the main point. And as long as you're getting better, then I don't think you can necessarily, uh, quote unquote, uh, fail in that aspect.
1: Gentlemen, Brandon, Christian, thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast. We really, really appreciate it. And by the time that this comes out, I should be seeing you in person in a couple of weeks.
2: Let's go. I'm excited. (laughs) Jamaica, baby. (laughs) Get the boys back together.
1: (laughs) Boys back together. All right, guys. See you soon. All right. Thank you
0: for
2: having us.
1: How was it? I know that I enjoyed having this conversation. If you like this episode, please consider sharing this episode with a friend and leaving comments, leave any questions that you have for Brandon or for Christian or for myself at our YouTube, just go to youtube.com slash at degree free. And if you would like to receive a short weekly email that has different degree free jobs, different degree free companies and how you can get hired without a college degree. Go to degreefree.co forward slash newsletter to sign up for our free weekly newsletter. And as always, show notes are at degreefree.co forward slash podcast. And that is it for this week. Until next time, along.